0: It's the next level. Do you ever fantasize about being killed? Do you ever wonder about all the different ways of dying, you know, violently? I wonder, like, what would be the most horrible way to die? Well, hello, Mr. Fancy. Never get out of the again. Never get out of I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. The following movie contains material that may not be suitable for all viewers. Your discretion
1: is advised. So I was just reading, apparently Oscar nominations have been announced and almost virtually no horror films have been nominated for the 2020 Oscar event, <laughs> blah blah blah. Who the fuck cares? So here's the thing, The Lighthouse I believe is the only horror film to get a nomination I think for Best Cinematography or whatever, and here's my thing, number one, I don't care, the Oscars are overrated, who gives a shit? Secondly, I'm probably not going to get a popular vote on this, but um... 2019 really was not a great year for horror films. I know the media tells you it was. I know that you know you read a lot of different websites and everyone's like, oh, this movie was great. That movie was great. Quite honestly, 2019 overall, when I think about it, really didn't have a whole lot of great movies. Um, I mean, I did love Godzilla King of the Monsters. Um, Alita Battle Angel is probably my favorite movie of the year. But I mean... When I think about it, there really wasn't a there wasn't a horror film that really stood out. The Lighthouse definitely that's definitely one of them that's up there. Um, but I mean, like even when I think about like uh, fan reactions to to the, to the films that came out in 2019, everything was divided. I know that that's like the common thing these days and whatnot, but there was no film where like everybody was raving about it, saying it was the greatest thing. Maybe tigers are not afraid, but even that, I believe that movie, its original release date was 2018, like late 2018. So I don't know. I see people reacting on the internet saying, Oh my God, the Oscars are totally snubbed the horror film genre again. Well, they always do first off. So, I mean, who the fuck cares? And secondly, there really wasn't anything great. Like, there's a lot of decent films, a lot of underground indie films were great, but eh, anyways, whatever. Coming to you, live and not sick anymore, from the Next Level Network of Podcasts, and Studio Zero. Sorry for the delay, kids, this is episode 64 of What Lurks behind, 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 Podcast, Podcast Zero. Zero. And I am your host, post-mortem Paul, who is not feeling post-mortem anymore. Um, yeah, sorry for the delay of the episode. Happy change of the calendar. Everyone, because, you know, saying happy new year seems so, like, cliche. Everybody always says, happy new year! I, I like happy change of the calendar, because really, that's the only thing that changes. Everybody with their new year's resolution resolutions and new year, new me! Ah, fuck off. You're not new year, new... You, whatever the fuck. Nobody changes. Everybody always acts like, oh my god, it's January 1st, and I'm going to change this year. No, you're not. You're going to do it for a couple weeks, and then you're going to go back into your lazy old ways. It's the way people are. Unfortunately, though, (laughs) things that never change. um, Yeah, there was a bit of a delay for episodes for the podcast, because yes, my sorry ass got sick. uh, And quite brutally, um, to the point where, you know, no voice coughing i had to at some points i was like trying to sleep i had to sleep with like four pillows to keep my head elevated uh it's not very comfortable but i mean it was at least i was able to sleep i guess but yeah it was rough uh not good shape at all (laughs) um see what happens though when like money grubbing companies you know oh we need more 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 give us that profit we need more money so they tell their employees, by the way, you can't call in sick during December because it's the Christmas season and we got to make that money. Yeah. And then everyone comes to work and they're sick. And then they expose those like myself who like normally never get sick. All of a sudden I'm like dying. It's like the fucking apocalypse hit my body. So yeah, whatever. I bet Apple has that going for them too, eh? Like the whole, like, no calling sick thing. Um, Did any of you see Ricky Gervais' uh, monologue for the Golden Globes? And let me preface this. I hate the Golden Globes. I hate most award shows. But, so I'm on, like, social media. And all of a sudden, I'm seeing everyone's, like, praising Ricky Gervais. And I never had anything against him. But I was never a big fan of his either. It was kind of like he was just, like, there. Right? And all of a sudden, I'm seeing, like, oh, my God. He totally roasted Hollywood. And I was like... Okay, now I'm intrigued. Now I need to see this. <laughs> I scoured the internet for a couple hours and eventually found his monologue. And holy shit! Thank you, Rookie Gervais. You're man of the year already. And what? We're 13 days into January. That that monologue is probably one of the greatest things I've seen in a long time. Ripped everybody from Apple to like the Hollywood elite and the foreign press and, and oh fuck, just everything. Like it. He took no prisoners. I loved it. He called out every pedophile in fucking Hollywood. Um, He called... um, uh, What was it? Joe Pesci was like Baby Yoda. That was funny. Uh, That was was a good little rip. I liked his uh, Felicity Huffman joke. Uh, You know, I mean, if you've kept up on any of the current events in Hollywood, I mean, it wasn't hard to see that this guy was like, you know, taking no prisoners. Uh, The whole Epstein thing, which I'll be honest, social media has annoyed the fuck out of me with all their stupid memes. But... I mean, his his jokes were fucking hilarious. And Ricky Gervais for the win, man. Like, that that was fucking great. Um, not going to blather on a whole lot. Bather, blather, bather, whatever. Um, trying to get back into the mode of this. It's been, what, three weeks? Three, three four weeks since I, I've talked into a microphone. So, not that that really changes anything, because I babble all the time anyways. But some little horror-related notes. This is me, like, taking my jabs at Hollywood. Because, yes, The Grudge the grudge remake did you know a grudge remake was coming out um some of us knew some of us were like oh no not another fucking remake i love that ricky gervais hit you know made a little comment about remakes and sequels too but anyways so the grudge comes out and it stunk shocker um hello uh got an f rating from what is it cinema score or something like that And completely bombed at the theater. I think it made just under like 11 million or 11,000, maybe $11. I don't know. Um, It it stunk. Uh, You know, Black Christmas. Black Christmas. Oh, my God. This, you know, this is a great woke film. Yeah, go fuck yourself. It bombed, too. Um, The holiday season gave us two remakes, and both of them went belly up. Uh, Gee, I wonder why. You know, do you think Hollywood's going to learn their lesson yet? No. Fuck no. No. Um, They're probably waiting for, you know, the French or the Japanese to come out with some new movie so they can rip them off and, you know, make a watered down version like Martyrs. Um, Yes. Thank you for that, uh, because I'll be honest with you. I probably can't comment on that because I haven't watched the American version. I'm not going to. Um, I like the French version. I don't mind reading subtitles on a film because, you know what, um the gore and the violence and the actual story are original and i like what i see so um i don't need a oh wait oh (laughs) america doing it again now carrie the howling have been added to the list of sequels and remakes and whatnot fuck my life thank you for that um because what is it carrie carrie is going to be a series now or a mini series or something like that like okay yeah we need that um, and The Howling is apparently getting a remake by the director who did It. Um, I'm still a fan of the original It over these remakes. Don't get me wrong, the remakes were fun. They were kind of cool. But, I mean, I still like the original better. Um, Pet Cemetery, anyone? You, you still, no one is going to be Andrew Hubert sex, uh, fucking portrayal of Zelda. It's, it's not going to happen. I'm sorry. It's not going to happen. That was one of the creepiest fucking things I've ever seen in a movie. And I mean, I've seen some weird shit in movies. This week's Lurker's recommendation that's coming later on in the episode, uh, that's a fucking weird movie. <laughs> but um, what do you say we do a uh, trailer timeout? Or uh, because I'm going to be honest with you, I did say this was episode 64, but did I tell you what movie it is? Fuck no, because I'm so off my game right now. Because... <laughs> uh this week's movie is another slasher yeah it's another slasher it's another holiday film it's um another 1980s film i notice i keep going back to the 80s i am an 80s kid i love my 80s movies uh this one however it's not a christmas movie no it's a new year's movie um yeah so this week's movie because i didn't announce it at the beginning of the episode um from 1980 new year's evil so we're gonna do a trailer timeout we're gonna play the trailer of new year's evil and then when we come back we'll talk about this movie um me and all my multiple personalities um i don't i don't even think i've had any of the other personalities make an appearance for a while i don't know my voice keeps going up and down and all around but um. okay trailer timeout be back in a moment kids
0: One night, they were celebrating New Year's Eve. He was out, ending their life. I'm going to commit murder at midnight. Call me evil. Every New Year's Eve, The caller came out.
1: new years you're invited to a killer party never understood that you know new years is something that's always been beyond me i guess you could say that i don't understand why we celebrate it but i guess it's it's kind of like me being so like anti-human all the time because like i think that humans really do think we're a lot smarter than we really are but anyways i don't know That's just me being a pessimistic piece of shit i get it I'm aware of the fact that I hate humans it was kind of funny I was actually mentioning this morning to my family I was talking with my my you know people I guess you'd call them anyways I was saying like how like on social media you know like I I must be an asshole like I must be like a real prick or something because I'll be scrolling on my my social media which I don't do very often but when I do you know, people will be posting, like, selfies of themselves, like, Hey, look at me, I'm making a better me, I'm working out, and I, I feel good about myself, and I just scroll by. But someone posts a picture of a dog, and I'm like, Oh, I gotta love that. Um, you know, people will write their their woes in life. I've never understood why people have to complain on social media, but it's the cool thing to do these days. Um, but, like, people will write, like... I don't know like oh my god my washer and dryer broke down I have no money I what am I gonna do kind of thing and I know that people just want support and whatnot they want people to feel sympathetic for them but I kind of just like whatever you'll get over it but then I see like a picture today of someone posting you know just a screen cap from I am legend of Will Smith like you know hugging the dog and whatnot and I get all choked up because I know what happens to that dog and it's like it's weird like how like things with animals really do affect me where like the human race i don't know there's just something maybe it's i don't know (laughs) i know i'm making my i'm really not making a good case for myself making it sound like i'm you know a good humanitarian and shit like that but i really don't care um but like animals and shit like the whole thing that's going on in australia right now don't get me wrong for people who have lost their homes and whatnot it's, it's very sad and i i'm very upset about it don't get me wrong but the shit that's like breaking my heart is when I see the pictures of the animals like the koalas and like so so many of like the cute animals that have burned alive or burned to death I should say and stuff it's very sad it's very heartbreaking for me like and I have friends in Australia I have people over there that I know and I love and you know I do care about them and I want to make sure they're you know they're they're fine that they're well and whatnot but it's just I don't know it's in bringing this all back to where I was going with it is like, I've never understood the whole need to celebrate new year's Eve and new year's day because like, okay, so what the calendar changes, but it's still the same life you had the day before. And it'll still be the same life you have the day after, but anyways, whatever. Um, let's be all new years, you know, pro new years because we're talking about a new year's film. Um, the film at hand. Wow. It took me almost three to four minutes to get into this. New Year's Evil was originally released December 19th, 1980 by the Canon Film Distributors. I saw a few reports I was, when I was doing my research on this. Some There's some reports that say the movie came out December 26th. Now, I don't know, maybe that was other places in the world. I don't know, whatever. In North America, it was December 19th. The film was written and directed by Emmett Alston. He was a director from 1979 to 1993. He stopped directing. He just... uh, And he didn't do a whole lot. I think there was something like 13 credits to his name or whatever. Uh, He also helped write New Year's Evil with Leonard Neubauer. Uh, This was actually the last film that Leonard Neubauer wrote. Uh, He uh, did the screenplay and wrote the story. He uh, passed away in 2011. So rest in peace, Mr. Neubauer. Uh, the film was produced by Menahem Golan and Yoram Globus. We all know Globus and Globus and Golan. They gave us Masters of the Universe. Thank you for that, because you know I will never forget Dolph Lundgren simply for that film. Although he would killer Ivan Drago. But anyways, moving on to cinematography by Thomas E. Ackerman. In this, he was credited as Edward Thomas. But for those of you familiar with the name of Thomas E. Ackerman, he's done movies like Beetlejuice Christmas Vacation, um, Scary Movie 4, if that's relevant to anything, and Night of the Living Deb, with a B, not a D. We're not talking Night of the Living Dead. It's not a Romero film. The music was done by W. Michael Lewis and Lauren Rinder. They worked together quite a bit, but didn't do many movies. Uh... I say they they worked together quite a bit because most of the same titles, their names came up. However, I think, was it Lewis had something like eight credits to his name and Render was like four. Like, they, they didn't do a lot. Um, they did work together, though, on movies like Shogun Assassin, um, Enter the Ninja, Revenge of the Ninja, and this movie, New Year's Evil. The makeup department was taken care of by Julie Purcell. Julie Purcell did Bloody Birthday also, which is a great movie. Uh, Cujo. Who, who doesn't love Cujo? Come on. And I'm guaranteeing you that within the next year we're gonna hear about a Cujo fucking remake. But anyways, and uh, she also did the makeup for the Red Hot Chili Peppers video for Under the Bridge. If you like that song. I actually do like the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I don't talk about it much, but I do. Uh, starring cast. Yeah, all right. Here's the people we should care about, and probably didn't. Um, no. So our lead female, Roz Kelly. Uh, she played Diane Sullivan, or as her fans knew her in the, in the movie. You know, she, her name was Blaze. Um, she was also in Larry Cohen's Full Moon High, a uh, werewolf movie done by Larry Cohen stuff. Great movie. Uh, Kip Nevin played Richard Sullivan. He was primarily a TV actor when I was looking up his credits. Did a lot of different TV work. Uh, I think he was on, like, Night Rider, Moonlighting. Uh, a lot of 80s TV, 70s TV, whatnot. Oh, my favorite actor in the whole fucking world, Grant Kramer. Remember I talked about him back when I did Killer Clowns from Outer Space? Yeah. He plays Derek Sullivan in this movie. If if well, i I guess he's playing a character. I don't know. Anyways, we know him from Killer Clowns. Uh, He was also in Young and the Restless. Uh, Chris Chris Wallace plays Lieutenant Clayton. And I thought it was kind of cool. He uh, did an episode of The Incredible Hulk with uh, Lou Ferrigno and Bill Bixby. Fucking love that series, and he was also in the movie "Don't Answer Don't Answer the Phone" from 1980. I do believe that was a remake, another one of those great fucking remakes. But, um, but this the the original was 1980. Uh, what was? That? I don't even think I saw the remake, to be honest. But I think it was some. It came out some like 2006 or 2008 or something like that. I'm probably way off and making a complete idiot of myself, and I don't care. So Louise Moritz, she plays Sally in this movie and she was also in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and Death D- D- Death Race 2000. I like how I do that sometimes. I don't know if you guys noticed that like do be like two words and I kind of blend the two words together. So instead of saying Death Race, I say Daith because I take the A from Race and Why am I explaining this shit? Let's move on. Uh, Taffy O'Connell she plays Jane, um, Sally and Jane. Like I, the the names, man. Like there's also Elisa in here. Like they, they really went all out. Like you know, creative names. Anyways, uh, Taffy O'Connell was also in an episode of Wonder Woman with Linda Carter. She too was also on an episode of The Incredible Hulk. She was in the movie Galaxy of Terror, and uh, most recently there was a movie 2007, I think, uh, Dismembered. She was in that. Um, Alicia Danifu, she plays Yvonne in this movie. Basically her only role. It was her only big role. Uh, she did, however, produce the 1979 crime drama flick Penitentiary that starred Leon Isaac Kennedy and Wilbur White. It was, um, I think it was like a boxing jail. Like, a it took place in a penitentiary, obviously, the title. Um, but it had to deal with boxing as well. Um... And I swear I've seen it. When I was looking it up and reading the synopsis and whatnot, I'm like, I think I've seen this before. Uh, Finally, Anita Crane, she plays Lisa. Her only role... She never did anything else. This is literally, you go on her IMDb, this is it. Uh, There's nothing else. New Year's Evil. The movie was rated R for sex and nudity, violence and gore, profanity, drugs and smoking, I think alcohol in there too, and frightening scenes. Mm, frightening. Ooh, I'm getting the chills just thinking about it. The runtime is an hour and 25 minutes. The movie was filmed in Los Angeles, California, and the starting date for filming was October 15th, 1980, so let that sink in for a minute. The filming started October 15th, 1980. The film was released December 19th, 1980. So literally they filmed it, edited, did all the additional shit they needed to do with it and whatnot and distributed it in two months. Yeah, we got to wait like four fucking goddamn years for like, you know, a Batman movie these days. Granted, I get it. I'm not stupid. (laughs) I know I come off as stupid. I'm not stupid. I get it. You know, effects and, you know, movies these days are a lot more elaborate. I'm well aware of it. But not to mention, I mean, like this movie, like even like the gore, the gore is almost non-existent for the the fact that the movies rated R for violence and gore. And I'm like, there wasn't much gore. Like, I, I don't know. Anyways, synopsis time. It's time to talk about the synopsis. The synopsis of the film is like this. New Year's Eve is on its way, and TV's most famous punk rock lady icon, Diane Sullivan, a.k.a. Blaze, is holding a late-hour countdown celebration of music and partying. All is going well until Diane receives a phone call from an odd-sounding stranger announcing on live television that when New Year's strikes in each time zone, Body Girl will be murdered. PUNISH! And the killer leaves a threat saying Blaze will be the one to die last. The studio crew takes precautions and heightens security. But on the other side of America, a hospital nurse is found brutally butchered. Who could be behind these murders? A crazed fan? A religious psychotic? Or perhaps it's someone much closer to Diane than the police! the The audience audience could have have ever expected. And notes from the drunken celebrations. Yes. Okay. So a lot of trivia, a lot of notes, a lot of thoughts. There's a lot to say, a lot to talk about for a movie that really is a run of the mill slasher film. But I mean, like, obviously from the synopsis, you guys figured out the plot follows like it's like a punk rock show. I say punk rock it's kind of funny um uh, new wave whatever um anyways the host she's like supposed to be like running some like it almost looks like it's like one of those like TV marathon things like um like when public television will have like their um i don't know like it's uh charity marathon and shit like that right anyways so it looks kind of like that but there's like phone calls coming in and whatnot, and it's supposed to be that each hour on the hour, you know, Eastern, uh, Eastern time will have a celebration. And then Central time celebration, uh, Midwest celebration, and then Pacific and blah, blah, blah. You get the point, right? The time zone thing, they're going to do it every hour. And supposedly this killer is going to kill people every hour it sounds all good and great, but when you actually think about the the reality and the logistics of it, it's as you watch the film, it almost seems like it's impossible, but the movie makes it possible I don't know um so yeah, so that's basically the the whole idea right there it, it, every hour killers gonna kill someone leading up to blaze it'll eventually she'll be the last one to die kind of thing um a bit of a trivia bit, uh, the new, the song, new year's evil, uh, spoilers. That will be the song closing out the show today. Um, but anyways, it was written by Roxanne Seaman and Eddie Del Berrio. Uh, but it's, it's performed by the band shadow. Uh, they were a Seattle band, I guess in this, they're playing a punk band, but they were more like a rock band or whatever. Um, somewhat local, you know, to the West Western side of the States and whatnot. um, The song is repeated like throughout the show. Like it's kind of funny. Like it's supposed to be like a live marathon kind of thing, like a countdown on TV and whatnot. But like it's like the same four songs get played over and over. (laughs) Like it would be a really boring marathon to watch. But yeah, it is what it is. Um, the the one cool part there's there's a scene with the drive-in drive-in theater, and it's like supposedly showing the movie Blood Feast, uh, but According to most people, it's not actually that movie. Um, it's the the movie that's showing is actually the Red Queen kills seven times. Um, but here's the thing: the Red Queen kills seven times was also released as a movie called Blood Feast. Um, sometimes when it was distributed out, they called it Blood Feast. So that's why, like, when people are si- when, when you're watching the film and you see Blood Feast, it's supposed to be on the the drive-in theater screen and whatnot. In a way it is blood feast only because of the fact that when they distributed the film, they called it blood feast, but it really wasn't blood feast. It was the red queen kill seven times. Um, and I think I just said all of that seven times. So I'm going to shut the fuck up and move on. The Turner classics movie network, uh, once paired new year's evil with Christmas evil, uh, for a double feature thing. I think that's actually been done more than once. It it was a trivia thing that came up, but I think it's happened a couple times. Um, I know they even like Detroit, WXON Detroit when Channel 20, when they used to have their double feature things. I'm almost positive I saw New Year's Evil and Christmas Evil together at the same time. So um, more on my thoughts now, less trivia kind of shit. So honestly, the whole thing with this movie is it's another slasher to come out in the early 80s at the height of when the slasher game was, you know, it was really starting. Like 1978 was kind of like the that pinnacle point right halloween kind of like jump-started this whole idea of slashers the next thing you know you had a slasher for everything we've had you know uh friday the 13th uh pieces um of course i strike blanks now no um christmas evil i guess always gets listed as a slasher i've always thought that's more a psychological film um i don't see it as a slasher myself um But, I mean, there's Happy Birthday to Me, there's Bloody Birthday, there's uh, shit, there's so many of them, like uh, Nightmare on Elm Street obviously came out after this, but, I mean, there was that. The slasher thing was, it was an 80s thing. It was definitely an 80s thing. I know that, you know, we've had kind of a slasher revival over the past, you know, 10 years or so, but well, even in 1990s when Scream came out and whatnot, but, I mean, I don't know, that slasher genre always seems to just make it makes a return and then it dies off for a bit and whatnot but but this one alone is very run of the mill that's the problem with it um but one of the cool twists on it though is that we see the killer right away like within the first you know ten minutes of the movie, we see the killer we see his face, we know who the killer is in the movie, and that is not hidden, and we get to watch him like in action, you know. Setting up his kill, you know, stalking his prey and then taking them down. Um, but then at the same time, what kind of hurts the film is some of the kills seem. <sighs> the best way to explain it is they irk me. Okay, there's something that seems off with them. Like, for example, the nurse kill. The one, you know, the, the nurse in New York that dies. Okay, so. <sighs> I guess my whole problem with it is... And I'm going to steal from Cinema Sins when I say this... But is the power of boners that fucking strong? Is it really that strong with people? Because the nurse that gets killed literally knew our killer... For less than 10 minutes. He shows up. He says, I'm new. I need a tour. They go on a tour. He plays some music. They start dancing. He starts kissing her. The next thing you know, he's killing her. This all happens very very fucking rapidly and i'm asking myself can the human race seriously not say no to a hard dick it it, like i know and i'm again i i like to you know put myself in these positions where people are going to easily tear me apart but i don't fucking care she knew him for maybe okay I know it's supposed to be every hour, you know, there's a kill and whatnot. We assume that obviously he started after her, you know, around 11 o'clock at night. Okay. Even if she knew him for an hour, you're trying to tell me she was already ready for a little chicka-bow-bow-chicka-bow-bow? Like, first off, and I get it, our killer is an attractive man, but is he that attractive? I don't know about that. And not to mention, like I don't know, you're try I get it. It's 1980. It's a movie. Don't take it too seriously. I know, but <laughs> it's just like I'm watching the movie, and already within the first kill, I'm. Yeah, I don't know about this. I mean, Sally. Now, Sally. Sally's death. It, it's an interesting one. She's one of those characters that when she gets whacked, like you kind of feel bad for her. But at the same time, you're kind of cheering it on. She's innocently annoying. She's an annoying character, honestly. But it's almost in an innocent kind of way. I mean, he picks her, our killer picks her up in the bar. You know, she's got her friend Lisa with her and whatnot. Um, but like the whole scene in the car, it, it, when when they're driving together and there's Lisa, there's Sally, and there's our killer. And they're in the car. It's kind of almost like a funny scene because you have Sally who's just like just yammering off. But the thing is is you understand that she's lonely and wants to feel some love on New Year's. Again, jumping way back to what I you know what I said earlier. I don't understand humans and our obsession with New Year's, but I mean, for me I've always looked at it as just another reason to drink, right? But hey, it is what it is. But here we have Sally. She's lonely. She wants some love on New Year, So I understand it. But at the same time, when he's like, when he actually kills her, I'm like, thank God that scene is over with. It's like, but there's a, there's a humor to it, right? There's like a dark humor to it. And I mean, she's, she's like those people that you meet and we've all met them in life. They have no filter. They just say what they think. I mean, there's even one point where Lisa says to Sally, you know, that you just say whatever fucking comes to your mind. Yep. That's Sally. Um, and unfortunately she dies, she's innocent she's you know she's cute and attractive and whatnot, but I mean it's again, it's sort of run of the mill you see you know hot blonde, kind of lonely, starving for some attention, killers hones in on it, but he does all this in one hour. <laughs> you gotta keep in mind also like when he killed the nurse, right, he's gotta set the body in a certain position in a certain way that When someone finds it, it's got that, like, you know, striking effect. That takes time, too. Like, the the death doesn't happen at, you know, 12 o'clock. And at 12.01, he's already on his way to the next kill. No. And that's the other thing is he kills the nurse, then has to leave. He has to change because he changes his appearance. I think for Sally, he puts on, like, a mustache and whatnot. He changes his clothing because obviously he's got blood on him from when he was at the hospital, right? You would assume he killed her, he stabbed her multiple times. Um and not to mention he has to drive to the bar, then he has to establish the meeting with Sally. Um and then he has to drive off. And I mean, like when you think about it like the, it, the way this plays out, it's virtually impossible for everything to have happened in 1 hour. Um I don't know, and it, 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 this happens like, what, three, four times? And I mean, okay, moving away from the killer and his prey, though, let's look at the Sullivans now. You have Diane, who's, you know, Blaze. She's our star female and whatnot, and they try to, they, I understand what the movie's trying to do. We're trying to show her as a businesswoman, first, mother, second, right? But it kind of fails me, and the reason why it fails me is because Derek, her son, is, again, poorly played by Grant Kramer. I shouldn't be so hard on the guy. Yes, he tried to make a living. He got some roles. He acted in them. I understand that. But I think he's a poor actor. He does not sell me on his roles. He just comes off as a pody, annoying little shitbag. That's... For Diane, like Diane Sullivan's character, or Blaze, whatever you want to call her, you know, I feel bad for her, actually. Because the way... Derek's character is portrayed he it, it just seems like he's like oh well mom's got something to do on New Year's and she's not looking at me oh wow 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 the whole you don't love me you never did routine is just played all wrong uh, we don't have enough backstory here to even know if he has a legitimate claim to that like is he a, is he just a, a spoiled teen brat who names who you know needs a damn good kick in the balls or does he have a legitimate claim to that? Is she always like this? I mean, I know as the film furthers on and you know we see the killer and the killer's reason for going after her. Okay, may, maybe they do have a legitimate claim for that, but. And this is not a knock at Roz Kelly. You know, she, she does what she can with this film, but so does Kip Nevin, actually. They're two of the most memorable actors in the film, you know, but there's just, it's too big of a story compacted. And I mean, sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes it's nice when you just have a, a, a movie that goes bang, 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 and just point for point for point, and it just goes along nice and smooth but this on the other hand i can't get invested in the characters enough to even give a shit what's actually going on um i mean then you have our killer our killer evil i am evil yeah okay it's it's funny it comes off kind of you know hilarious um the idea of you know the altered voice i mean kind of uh leads to, you know, Scream, you know, with uh Billy Loomis and Stu using the voice thing. Well it, this was nineteen eighty and we were doing that, right? Um he's somewhat boring though, because he he's just there's, there's not much to him, but then again, that can also work in the fact that it seems a bit real. Um I mean it's, obviously the whole voice modulation thing is a little over the top and eccentric and whatnot. And, but I also look at it that our, our, our killer is going off. He's playing up like this whole like Ted Bundy kind of feel like the whole routine of luring women in, you know, with his charm and his, his wit and his, you know, his charisma and all that sort of shit. But then again, like I, and I've said this again, I've said this time and time again, the whole idea of the time restraints, hour to hour just isn't enough time. It seems very unlikely. So, as much as the killer is awesome and can come off as real, because of the way this movie worked, the New Year's backdrop for the setting, it's all right. But the hour to hour killing really seems implausible. And because, or implausible, whatever the word is trying to act smart and i'm probably not. SMRT smart. But um <laughs> i don't know, just the whole idea of the traveling, the time for the setup each kill, and cleaning up the kills after and you know, the the way everything has to be laid out and whatnot. It just doesn't seem like 1 hour is enough time for all of this to happen for 4 consecutive hours. Um the music though, i will say this, the score itself while it's a typical 80s horror synth score. Uh I don't mind it. I like it. It fits the mood. It's nice and haunting when it needs to be. The punk music, so to speak, quote unquote punk music. Uh it works for the movie, I guess. Uh the audience though is um hard to take serious. <laughs> Cause they kind of like just jump and bounce and stuff. I know that was kind of the thing in the eighties, especially like with the whole post-punk new wave kind of scene and whatnot. I get it. I have seen enough footage to know, you know, dead Kennedy's fans. Yes. I know what they dance like. Um, So I get it. It's just, I don't know in a movie that's trying to have like some sort of like a serious, like slasher feel to it. The audience in the film, of you know at at that the the whole you know countdown to new year's you know radio athon whatever you call it it just it's it seems like a mosh pit but a ridiculous one um if that's possible um <laughs> uh, i got to keep moving on quickly here um the whole spin on the film the the reveal at the end the twist is basic uh it's been done before it's been done many times you see it a mile away uh with i i I mean the first time i ever saw this film which was only about maybe five years ago it and weird thing I, i just quick note about seeing this movie for the first time um i saw it on facebook It was one of the Facebook pages was like doing like a live broadcast of movies on New Year's Eve. Uh, I'm not a New Year's person, so I don't go out often. I was fucking around on my computer and there was one of the horror Facebook pages was live streaming the movie. And that's how I saw it for the first time. It was kind of cool. Anyways, when you're watching the movie, like within the first 10 minutes, you figure out who the killer is. I, I, like I said we see his face but it's the whole idea of his relation to Blaze you figure it out right away uh, it's, it, the, the reveal is kind of lost uh, it's not there um, it might actually be the worst part of the movie for the fact that it's too by the numbers it's too easy to figure out way too predictable which makes it very disappointing uh, considering the idea of the movie, if it had been done right, could have really been something special. But uh, and I'm not the only one that you know thinks that. In terms of the receptions of this film, like Roger Ebert, um, you know he gave it one and a half stars out of four. Said basically, New Year's Evil is an endangered species, a plain old fashioned gory thriller. Except it's not very good. Uh, it's sometimes unpleasantly bloody. I don't know what movie he watched. But then again, I also got to keep in mind, this was 1980. We are now in 2020. 40 years later, movies are a hell of a lot more extreme. So maybe that could also be why I didn't find this movie to be that good. I mean, Pieces is even more fucking gorier than this shit. But um, I don't know. It When I watch it, I'm kind of like, okay, it's violent. I'm not going to say it's not violent. There's, it's not that it's... Not violent or anything, but in 1980, they thought it was unpleasantly bloody. Okay. The plot is dumb, and the twist at the end has been borrowed from hundreds, if not thousands, of other movies. Yes, Roger Ebert was not wrong in saying that. Um, But as thrillers go these days, New Year's Evil is a throwback to an older and simpler tradition, one that has flourished way back in the dimly remembered past before 1978. Yes, it's the fact of the simplicity of the film. It's easy to follow. It's easy to watch. So that's kind of its beauty and its charm that you don't have to sit there and, you know... In 2020, you know, if you're watching it and you kind of scroll through your phone while you're watching the movie, nothing will be lost on you. Uh, Gene Siskel, on the other hand, was even more of an asshole, giving it zero stars out of four. What else is new? Uh, He basically said this movie was a hideously ugly motion picture. Yeah, well, that was Siskel. Siskel hated fucking horror movies. We all know that. Uh, Variety Magazine wrote that the true horror of New Year's Evil is the endless musical numbers by punk rockers and the shots of their dancing fans. He's, they're not wrong. Um, that's probably the hardest part of the movie to watch. Amongst that, the bloody killings seem a welcome relief. Yes, I agree with this. Um, Rotten Tomatoes has it at a 14% approval rating. Yes, that's... Not good. (laughs) IMDb has it standing at 4.8 out of 10, with a 5 being the most common rating for the movie. Podcast Zero rating. How do I feel about this movie? Okay, so here's my thing with New Year's Evil. It's another slasher to the pot, another holiday movie in the genre. This one tries to do something different, but ends up being all too much the same. Grant Kramer, while not in the movie a lot, still manages to bring the movie down with yet another bad performance. Yes, I I cannot stress this enough. I do not like his acting. Um, hopefully this is the last movie I do with him in it, because it, I don't mean to be an asshole, but I just do not like his acting style. I find him whiny. I find him annoying. Uh, Roz Kelly and Kip Nevin try to bring something to the game and make this a special movie, but with a lackluster reveal and some predictability to the film, it does kind of shoo this one under the radar. That said, there's still some things to be found in this movie that are fun. It's a simple movie that you can basically shut your brain off to and just enjoy it for what it's worth. The Podcast Zero rating gives this five Manhattan cheers out of ten, it's five out of ten, guys. Um, it's not the worst thing you'll ever see. It's not bad. Be- it's definitely not the best thing you'll ever see, but it's not. It's not horrible. I'm not gonna lie. I've watched it several times. I pretty much since the if what five years ago when I saw it for the first time. I've watched it every New Year since. Um, it's it's an interesting flick. I I, I like things about it. But there's a lot of it that it's just kind of like, like I said, like it's one of those movies that I can put it on at one in the morning on January 1st and be like, all right, it's something to fill the room with noise. You know what I mean? Um, it, but it's not a movie that I hate. You know, I, I, I like, I like a lot of aspects to it. So five cheers out of 10 guys. Woohoo! Yeah. Five woohoo's out of 10. And on that note, Thank you for listening. And it's nice to be back, yes. um, Again, like I said, I apologize. I got sick really bad. Um, And the interesting thing is, is normally during the holidays, it's my sister who normally gets sick, and I'm the one that's the healthy one. And this year, it was the apocalypse dropped on my body. said, yeah, fuck you. Three weeks long. Fuck, it was a bad cold. That was the thing. It was just like a really wicked head cold. Um, But then it affected, you know, hey, I was tired and sleepy and no voice and coughing and sneezing. No, whatever. Shit happens. Way to kick off 2020. And now on 2020. No, um. Oh, fuck. It's gonna be a long year. (laughs) At least with bad memes. God, I hate the internet. You know, it's interesting. I have like a love-hate thing with the internet. Because there's a lot of things about the internet I love. I just find that, I don't know, some people get credit for being clever when they're not really that clever, and then the ones that are clever, it's like nobody notices, I don't know. Kind of like this podcast, nobody notices it's even in existence, man. No, um, I lie. (laughs) I lie. Where to find the show? Where would you like to find this show? No, it's not so much where would you like to find it, because you found it, it's you want to promote it. You want to tell people to listen to the show. So where can they find the show, right? Uh, they can find it on Apple Podcasts. They can find it on Google, Spotify, CastBox, FM Player, and The Next Level Network. Yes, go to thenextlevelnetwork.com slash podcast zero. That's where the home of this podcast is. You can also go to whatlurksbehindpodcastzero.com. You can email me at zero at gmail.com facebook.com I don't know what I'm doing this .com thing for but whatever. facebook.com um facebook.com/what lurks behind podcast 0. The .com thing is very annoying. Uh, Instagram. See, so I don't have to go well, I could say instagram.com but um, uh, Instagram, you can find the podcast at what lurks behind podcast 0 on Twitter. Twitter, it is uh, I kind of renamed the twitter account it's still at wlb podcast underscore zero but now it is what looks behind podcast zero the home of pa- uh, Postmortem paul uh just so that you know people kind of know who's behind the account yes because i'm a postmortem piece of shit and then there's the red store don't forget about that redbubble.com slash people slash podcast zero and that's pretty much that uh lurkersrecommendation.com No um So I have two actually for recommendations this week. One is a crazy Japanese horror flick that I watched recently. Uh 2014 I think was when it was released. It is fucking bizarre and it is fucking fun as hell. It's kind of a cyberpunk flick but it's like crazy Japanese shit as well. God, I love the Japanese when they make horror movies god they're just so bizarre and out there and whatnot anyways this is a movie called meatball machine uh and you can find it uh for free streaming for free on tubi tv uh so here's the thing so obviously this year we all know in april a a video game coming out that i've been anticipating for a long time now cyberpunk 2077 is coming out 2020 for me is kind of like the year of the cyberpunk because the original role playing game was cyberpunk 2020 so naturally my dumb ass is on a cyberpunk kick right so I'm like fucking around on the streaming services see uh, what kind of cyberpunk shit can I watch and I look up cyberpunk movies on Tubi TV and this movie gets mentioned meatball machine I'm like I've never fucking heard of this what the hell is this so I like do a quick like google Because that's what Google is for, people. Instead of always asking people stupid questions, Google it. But anyways, I Googled the movie, Meatball Machine. I'm like, I know what this is. Oh, it's kind of like Tetsuo the Iron Man. Ooh. Now, see, now I'm intrigued because Tetsuo the Iron Man, as fucked up as a movie as it is, I love it. So I'm like, all right, time to check out Meatball Machine. Fucking crazy shit, man. It was so much fun, though. Long story short, Teenage Boy likes a teenage girl kind of shy finally asks her out she gets infected by some like alien disease that turns her into a human flesh-eating cyborg and from there you can kind of figure out where this fucking movie goes like uh it's so much fun bizarre as fuck bloody yes it's a typical japanese horror flick but man it's so much fun so i had to recommend that shit and then, a kind of a music recommendation, because I didn't even know this was happening till last week. Stabbing Westward are back, guys. For those of you who are Stabbing Westward fans, they're back! Um, yeah, they released a new EP, three new songs with two remixes. Uh, it's called Dead and Gone. There's a new video from Stabbing Westward for Dead and Gone. I was like, oh my god, I'm so happy about this. So... You can listen to it on Spotify if you want, or go to their Bandcamp account and purchase the the five-song EP. It's fucking great. I love it. Stabbing Westward are back. It's so cool. I never saw this coming. Pretty much, I'm not going to act like, oh my god, I've been looking for years and whatnot, but I mean, after Darkest Days, they kind of, they went their, you know... there was releases but a lot of them were like best of compilations and shit like that with the odd you know soundtrack song or whatever they weren't really doing a whole lot so I didn't expect them to make a comeback and boom here they are so check out that new Stabbing Westward EP now we'll announce next week's episode and I promise you there will be one next week provided I don't get sick again I mean you know, whatever life happens man I didn't mean it to happen like this no um so next week's episode is a fucking bizarre film this year being it's you know the year of the cyberpunk and stuff like that i want to do some fucking wacky shit right so (laughs) my buddy justin tells me about this movie and he sent me a youtube link for it um it's free for streaming on youtube so (laughs) feel free to check it out before i review it next week um anyways this movie was like so fucking bizarre i was like Oh man, this is podcast material for sure. So, <laughs> next week's episode is from 1982. I know, I'm back in the 80s again. But there's a reason for that, because this one is fucking bizarre as shit. And I can't wait to talk about it, because it's going to be fun. Next week's episode, Attack of the Super Monsters. Oh, yeah! It's it's what it sounds like. Um, so anyways, that's that. Uh, we're going to close off with a track, um... Again, me and I get hooked on weird shit, right? Uh, Long story short, band from you know earlier in the earlier in the two thousands, she wants revenge. Kind of a post punk goth band, I guess. Kind of kind of like the Killers or Interpol and shit like that, right? Anyways, they have this song called "Tear You Apart." Well, I recently found out that a synth, uh, like you know the whole synth wave thing, right? Well, I like a lot of that shit. And there's a female artist by the name of uh, Megan McDuffie. She did a cover of this song, so I checked it out, and it kind of became hooked on me. So, that's the song we're going to share at the end of this episode. is from her barely covered EP, Megan McDuffie's, uh, Duffy, McDuffie, sorry, uh, cover of "Tear You Apart," the song that was originally done by She Wants Revenge. That's that. I've talked a lot. I'm almost out of breath, man. No, I'm not, but I could probably babble for another hour, but I know that's not what you guys want. So, I'm going to shut up. Play some Megan for you and next week, Attack of the Super Monsters. Get ready for this shit. I'm out. See ya. Show's over. Bye.